guys, I'm your host Tara A. Devlin, and welcome to this week's episode of Koabana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Have you picked up Koabana Volume 9 yet? It's available now. If you're ready for another terrifying round of scares straight out of Japan, then head over to Amazon and pick up your copy right now. We've got shrines, curses, ghosts, angry ancestors, abandoned buildings, terrifying schools, and much more, so don't miss out. This week, we're looking at two terrifying tales that will perhaps make you question whether you can really ever know those closest to you. In this week's first story, a young girl and her sister hear a strange noise coming from their living room, but when they go to investigate, it will change their entire family's lives forever. Find out why in Kan Kan. This is a terrifying experience I had when I was just a child. I was an elementary school student at the time, and I lived in a small apartment that you might find anywhere, with my mother and sisters. When night fell, we all slept together as a family in the same tatami mat room. One night, my mother wasn't feeling well, so she asked me to turn the lights off. I turned off the lights in the bathroom and living room, turned the TV and such off, and then I went back to the bedroom. I told mum that all the lights were off in the house, and then climbed into my own bed. My younger sister was already asleep beside me. It was earlier than I normally went to bed, so I struggled to get to sleep and ended up staring at the ceiling for a while. Then, suddenly, I heard a strange sound in the otherwise silent room. Khan. Khan. I jumped out of bed and looked around the dark room, but there was nothing there. Khan. Khan. A short while later, I heard the same sound again. It seemed to be coming from the living room. Did you hear that just now? My older sister who was lying next to me, asked. Seemed I wasn't just hearing things. I looked around the room again, but there was nothing there other than my mother and younger sister asleep. Odd. It sounded metallic, and rather close too. My sister was worried about it as well, so she said she was going to check the living room. We both left the bedroom together and went to the pitch black living room. It was next to the kitchen, so we peered in from there. That was when we saw it. The table in the middle of the room. The place we all gathered around to eat our meals every day. Somebody was sitting on top of it. Their back was to us, so we couldn't see their face. But they had long hair to their backside and looked thin, and they were wearing a white yukata, so they appeared to be a woman. I was shocked and looked at my sister, but her eyes were glued to the woman in front of us and she didn't notice. The woman sat in the pitch black living room on the table, her back ramrod straight and knees tucked neatly beneath her. She didn't move a single muscle. I was so frightened that my legs trembled. I couldn't say anything either and I feared that if I did, something terrible would happen. The woman showed no signs that she was going to turn around. She just sat on the table with her white back towards us. Finally, unable to bear it any longer, I screamed and ran back to the bedroom. 
there's somebody in the living room! I screamed at my mother, waking her up. What's all this? Do you know what time it is? She said, but I dragged her back to the living room. We turned the lights on and my older sister was standing by the table. That woman was nowhere to be seen. The top of the table was also clean and no sign of anything on it. But my sister's eyes, they were vacant. Even now, I still clearly remember the expression on her face. Unlike me, she didn't appear to be frightened in the slightest. She just stared at the top of the table. What happened? My mother asked her. There was a woman here. That was all she said. My mother looked at the table, a confused expression on her face, and then ushered us back to the bedroom. Come on, let's go to bed. I lay in bed and thought. In the time it took me to scream, run to the bedroom to wake up mum, then drag her back to the living room, my sister had been staring at that thing the whole time, right? Something about her was off. Did she see something terrifying? She must have. So, about last night, I asked my older sister the next morning. But she wouldn't answer me. She just stared silently at the ground. I pushed the issue and then, in a small voice, she muttered something. It's because you screamed. My sister turned cold towards me after that. She always used to respond brightly to me, but after that she mostly ignored me. She also never spoke of that night again. When I screamed, that woman must have turned around to look at my sister. Their eyes must have met, and she must have seen something unimaginably horrifying. That was what I believed, and as more and more time passed, I gradually started to forget about it. I started junior high, and then, when it was time to prepare for entrance exams, I spent every day studying in my room. My sister moved to a high school in a different prefecture, and because she lived in a dorm, she rarely returned home. One night, I was sitting at my desk rather late when I heard a sound coming from the door. It wasn't a knock. Kun. Kun. It was faint, metallic. When I remembered what it was, I broke out in a cold sweat. It was that thing. That thing I saw when I was younger and my mother had caught a cold so I turned all the lights off. Kung. Kung. Again the sound rang out. The same metallic sound on the other side of the door. Scared, I banged on the wall of my younger sister's room. Hey, wake up! I screamed. But perhaps she was already asleep because there was no response. Our mother had been going to bed rather early as well, meaning I was the only person in the house who noticed that sound. I felt like I'd been abandoned, left all alone. The same sound rang out once again. Kung. Kung. I finally figured out where the sound was coming from. I quietly opened the door. At the end of the short, dark hall was the living room.
pale light filtered in through the curtain. Looking in from the side of the kitchen, that woman was on top of the table. The memories of what happened to my sister and I when we were kids came rushing back. The woman looked just as she did back then, wearing a white kimono and her back ramrod straight. She sat on the table with her legs neatly tucked beneath her, and all I could see was her back. Come, come. This time I clearly heard it coming from the woman. I couldn't stop the sound that escaped my lips. I don't remember what I said, but I did say something. And then, the woman turned around. When I saw her face, I was sure I was going to go insane. There was a large iron nail hammered exactly in the middle of each of her eyes, and looking closer, she was holding what looked like a blunt instrument in both hands. She smiled, and then spoke. You and your family are done for. <laughs> when I came back to, I was lying in my own bed the next morning. Bit by bit, I remembered what happened the night before, and I asked my mother if she had carried my sleeping body back to bed from the living room, but she had no idea what I was talking about. I asked my younger sister the same thing, but she just laughed and said I must have been sleepwalking or something. She was already fast asleep when I banged on her wall as well. It couldn't be. I had definitely seen that thing in the living room, and then I passed out. Somebody must have found me passed out and then taken me back to bed. But when I tried to remember what happened, it was all hazy. The only things I clearly remembered were that woman's final expression and that grin on her face as she spoke, when she said that our family was done for. Things changed later that day. It was around evening when I got home from school and opened the front door. Normally, my mother would be in the living room or making dinner in the kitchen, but the living room was pitch black. All the lights were off. Mom, where are you? I called out from the front door, but the house was quiet, like nobody was home. But the door was unlocked. Maybe she went shopping and forgot to lock it. My mother was a little carefree, so these things sometimes happened. Laughing, I took my shoes off and went to step inside when I heard it. Kang. Kang. It was coming from the living room. My blood froze. It was the exact same sound as the day before and from several years earlier. My instinct screamed at me and my fear drowned out all reason. I couldn't stay there any longer. I had to get away. I flung the door open and bound down the apartment stairs as fast as my feet would carry me. What on earth was going on? Where was my mother and my younger sister? I was worried about my family and tried to forget about that sound I'd just heard. If I thought about it any longer, I felt like it would drive me insane. After running endlessly through some dark alleys, I arrived at a nearby supermarket. Mum must be shopping, I thought, 
and I went inside while trying to catch my breath. Considering the time, there weren't many people inside. There were a few junior high students around the same age as me and some housewives looking for that night's dinner ingredients. Seeing that entirely normal scene made me calm down a little, and I thought about what had just happened back at home. The pitch black living room, the unlocked door, and that metallic sound. The house apparently being empty, other than that thing. When I called my mother from the front door, the house was oddly quiet. There was no way somebody was inside. But what if they were? I didn't leave the front door, so I hadn't seen inside properly. The lights were off, that was all. Maybe my mother was asleep somewhere and just didn't hear my voice. I had to check somehow. With that on my mind, I decided to call home. There was a public phone outside the supermarket, so I put some money in and dialed home with trembling fingers. The hand holding the receiver shook as well. One ring. Two rings. Three rings. The sound of it echoed deep in my head. Then someone picked up. I held my breath. It was unbearable. Hello? Who's speaking? It was my mother's voice. When I heard her gentle voice, I was relieved. Hello? Mum? Oh, what's wrong? You're pretty late today. Did something happen? My hand started trembling again. But it wasn't just my hand. My legs shook too, and I could barely stand. It was too strange. No matter how much I lost my cool, I still noticed that something was wrong. Mom, how are you... Eh? What are you talking about? Hey, are you okay? Did something really happen? There was no way my mother could be on the phone at that moment. What was in the living room just before wasn't her, but rather, that monster. So then, why was this person talking so calmly on the phone? Plus, she said it was rather late, like she'd been there the whole time. I couldn't help but think that the person casually talking to me on the other end of the phone was some unknowable entity. Then, I squeezed the only words I could out through my dry throat. Who are you? Eh? Who? After a brief pause, she answered. I'm your mother. <laughs> Close to eight years have passed since that night. My mother and younger sister live at home in an apartment, while my older sister lives and works pretty far away. I'm now attending a university by myself in a neighbouring prefecture. Not much has changed on my father's end, and he still lives and works alone, moving around the country like before. Last winter, my mother called me for the first time in a while and asked me to come back home. I hated going back home, and when I thought about spending my precious days off in that terrifying house, I always stubbornly refused her requests. However, 
This year, both my sister and my father were returning, which they almost never did. So, ignoring my approaching thesis and pushed on by my mother's angry voice, I agreed to finally return home as well. I didn't really want to return to the house where I had so many terrifying experiences, but there was actually something else that scared me even more. I felt bad for her, but I was honestly scared of meeting my mother face to face. Ever since that time on the phone, my mother was clearly a different person. It was her voice, but it wasn't her. I'll never forget the moment I realized that. Although, that was all in the past. Even after I saw that thing, nothing else strange happened around me and, luckily, none of my family got sick or injured either. Both my sisters were doing well, and nothing happened to either of my parents in the previous eight years either. I was starting to think that the end of my family was just a figment of my imagination, as well as that woman in the white kimono. In time, perhaps I'd forget that horrible sound as well. Everything will be fine, I told myself, and then made my way back home. I decided I would act bright and happy, so that my mother didn't know why I was avoiding home all this time. I was relieved when I finally got back. My parents and sisters all looked fine, and when they saw me, they peppered me with questions as well. How's graduation looking? Do you have a boyfriend yet? My mother, who was so worried about me, was busy every day working part-time as a hotel cleaner. But I hesitated to talk to my older sister, and things were still awkward. The reason for that was... She was still ignoring me after what happened that time, eight years earlier. My screaming in the dark room when we were children undoubtedly caused the rift in our relationship, and it wasn't uncommon for her to act cold towards me. As such, I could barely believe my ears with what she said next. I'm sorry for ignoring you all this time. I honestly didn't expect the sister who had been ignoring me for eight years to apologize. I'm sorry as well, but what's this all of a sudden? Did something happen? I was so surprised that I felt like I asked something I shouldn't have. Her face went rather stiff, but she asked me to join her in the room we used to share as children. I heard that sound in my house. The moment I heard that sound, chills ran down my spine. She looked at me, and then continued. I came home from work one day around 9pm. I was watching TV, and then I heard it coming from the bathroom. Kan, Kan. I knew what it was immediately, because it was the same sound I heard when we were children. I knew it couldn't be anything good, so I ran out of the house and went to stay with a friend who lived nearby. As I was talking to that friend, I heard it coming from the bathroom again. Kan. Khan. That strange metallic sound. Both my friend and I panicked, and we ran out of the house and called the police. In the end, they didn't find anything in the bathroom, but we had them check the whole apartment anyway, just in case. They didn't find a single thing. 
My sister's story brought back the horrible memories from eight years prior. Even now, I still can't forget what happened. That pitch black living room. The woman sitting on the table. The metallic kung, kung sound. The woman turning around. Her horrifying face. That horrifying sound ringing out without warning made me afraid of any metallic sound for quite a while after that. Places that played music, cowbells and normal bells, they all frightened me whenever I heard them. Fry pans and pots in the kitchen scared me, and I had to avoid railway crossings too when heading far from home. But there were several points of difference in my sister's story compared to mine from eight years earlier. She didn't see the woman in the white kimono, nor did she hear a voice. All she heard was the strange kan, kan sound. Plus she heard it coming from the bathroom. I knew about that thing sitting on the table in the living room, but the bathroom? Was it really the same thing? I was about to ask my sister that when she suddenly burst into tears. Flustered, I tried to calm her down. We don't know for sure that it's the same thing yet. Then she glared at me, still crying. Did you not hear about Mum from Mika yet? She asked, her tone fierce. Mika was our younger sister. Hear about Mum from our younger sister? I was confused and had no idea where the conversation was going. I mean, we'd just eaten some delicious beef stew that our mother had made. Nothing seemed strange or off about her, and our sister seemed normal too. Unable to hide her impatience, my sister turned to me and, wiping her tears, said, Sometimes she sneaks out of the house at night, she said. Ask Mika if you want to know more. Seeing my older sister acting so out of the ordinary, I went straight over to my younger sister's room to ask her what was going on. What's all this about mum leaving in the middle of the night? Ah, did you hear? It's true. Do you want to watch it together? That night I slept in my younger sister's room, laying out a mattress next to her bed, and I stared at the ceiling while waiting for the time to come. According to my sister, our mother would always leave the house around the same time, at just past 1am, and then she'd return about 10 minutes later. At first, my sister thought she was going out to have a cigarette, so she didn't think much of it and then went back to sleep. But even when it was snowing and cold, she still went outside. When she asked mum about it, all she said was, What are you talking about? She didn't appear to be playing dumb, nor was she aware that she was going outside in the middle of the night. Suspicious, my sister then followed her out one night, it's about time, my sister whispered to me. The very next moment, I heard something in the hall on the other side of the door. There was a rustling sound by the front door. It was probably someone putting boots on. Then footsteps alongside a creek. No doubt about it, someone had just gone outside. My sister and I looked at each other, and then got up as quietly as we could. We opened the door and snuck over to the front door without making a sound. 
It wasn't locked. My sister carefully grabbed the handle and then gently opened it. Outside was pitch black. The only light came from the streetlights and the moon. I asked my sister where our mother had gone and, to my surprise, she was right over there. A bad feeling slowly crept over me. Our mother was standing underneath a streetlight about 100 meters from our house. She was walking around and around the telephone pole in circles. She wasn't walking slowly, like she was out for a leisurely walk, but rather quickly. She was going around and around and around quite fast, and unlike the gentle, bright look that she greeted me with earlier that day, she now looked almost like an oni, like a hanya mask, even from a distance. I was speechless at the sight. Come on, let's go back inside, my sister said. She'll keep doing that for the next ten minutes or so. I was terrified. Seeing my mother acting so strange, I finally came to understand the gravity of the situation. You and your family are done for. That woman's terrifying words kept repeating over and over in my head. I returned home before my sister and searched the wall for the light switch. It should be somewhere around here. I continued groping the wall until my fingertips finally hit something square and plastic. At almost the exact same time, that kung, kung sound rang out in the darkness. Ah, I thought, but it was already too late, and I had flicked the switch on. A bright white light filled the room. My eyes weren't yet used to so much light, and I instinctively squinted. There was a woman in a white kimono sitting on the table. Her back was to me, and I couldn't see her face. It didn't seem real, and I wasn't able to think calmly. Even though the woman sitting on the table was strange enough alone, my eyes hadn't yet got used to the side of the room full of light, so the entire room looked rather odd. Horrid sweat poured off me, and my clothes stuck to my body. I don't know how much time passed, maybe minutes, maybe seconds, but I flicked the switch again and the room was swallowed by darkness. I couldn't see a thing. Then the door opened behind me with a bang. My sister? Yet my eyes were glued to the room that was once again full of darkness, and I felt like that woman was still there, sitting on the table. Meanwhile. I heard rustling near the front door that sounded like shoes being removed, then the unmistakable sound of the floor creaking as weight was pressed onto it. I couldn't turn to look down the hall. It had to be my sister, but I couldn't turn to see. No, somehow I knew. Maybe it was a hunch or intuition or something vague, but I knew that what was approaching me from behind wasn't my sister. With each creak getting stronger, a horrid, terrifying feeling washed over me. Then, in the pitch-black living room, that metallic kung, kung rang out from near the table. Right as I was about to pass out, a hand gripped my shoulder tightly from behind. On that note, seemed I woke up in my older sister's room the next day. 
she woke me up. Both my sisters asserted that they didn't grab my shoulder in the darkness the previous night, and when my younger sister got back, our mother still wasn't home either. She was certain of this because she checked our mother's bedroom and her shoes weren't there either. According to my younger sister, our mother is still carrying on with her strange nightly outings. I've gone to see a psychiatrist and even had the house cleansed. People have reported her, after all. I later heard that my younger sister heard everything from our older sister and they were working together away from our father's eyes to do what they could for our mother. But in the end, it was pointless. Looking at our mother and her strange actions, nothing they did would ever help. Plus, I already knew why. It was that woman's fault. The sound my older sister heard at her place, and the terrifying sight of my mother that night, it was all that woman's fault. Just the thought pisses me off. But more than that, that woman brings out an indescribable fear in me. I am now debating telling our father everything as soon as possible and moving out of my apartment. Our next story for this week features a boy from a rather well-known and prominent family. Yet, when something disastrous happens to his older sister, the boy realises that perhaps his family is not as noble and great as he once thought. Find out why in Boy Who Lived in the Countryside. About five years ago, I was drinking at home with two friends. Let's call them I and N. I likes the occult, so he suggested we tell scary stories to each other, starting with him. This is an old memory, by the way, so I may have changed a few smaller details here and there for dramatic effect. This is a fake story I heard from one of my friends. I began. It was the story of a boy who lived in a small countryside village in a certain prefecture. His family consisted of his grandfather, parents, and older sister. And, in addition to that, there were three live-in maids and two men from a branch family who lived next door. Meaning, his relatives were always around his grandfather. As you can no doubt already guess, this boy's family was a rather prominent family in the area. Everybody knew them. This may be common in such families, but in this house, the grandfather was the patriarch and what he said was final. The boy's mother married into the family from outside, but the father and other relatives never once spoke back to the grandfather and always spoke to him with honorific language. The mother also came from a rather affluent family, so perhaps it was a political marriage of some sort. When the boy was 15, his older sister didn't return home from school one day. She always came home immediately after, yet by dinner, she still wasn't there. Dinner time was always fixed in their household, and everyone had to be in their seats and waiting by the time his grandfather arrived. However, the boy's older sister still hadn't returned and her mother was beside herself with worry. 
Then, the grandfather arrived with a man from one of their branch families. Seeing the empty seat, he turned towards the boy's father and, in a cold voice, asked him what was going on. Nervous, the father answered that the older sister had yet to return home and they couldn't get in contact with her either. The grandfather considered this for a moment and then said something to the man from the branch family. You all wait here, he said, and then left again. The family did as they were told, and they waited. The mother was still shook up and spoke to the father about something. About two hours passed when the man from the branch family called out the father's name from the front door. The voice sounded angry, and wondering what could be happening, the entire family went to see. They found the grandfather the two male relatives, and various others from the branch family, as well as the older sister, who looked different. Her face had changed colour, like she'd been horribly beaten, and her clothes were torn. Her face was blank. Seeing her daughter like that, the mother almost passed out. The father looked on in surprise, grabbing his wife before she fell and calling out his daughter's name at the same time. The boy, meanwhile, stared dumbfounded at his nearly naked sister, able to guess what might have happened to her. The grandfather left the girl with a maid, then summoned the father to another room to tell him about what happened. The boy stayed by his fallen mother's side in a daze, but one of the maids urged him to return to his room. The maid later brought the boy some food, but he didn't feel like eating, nor even sleeping, and he just waited for morning to come. The siblings shared a room, but the sister didn't come back that entire night. The next morning, the boy went to see his mother. When he went inside her room, he found her putting his sister to bed, crying silently. Noticing the boy, the mother hugged him and told him that his sister had been through something very traumatic, and it had affected her badly. Perhaps hearing their voices, the sister sat up and looked at the boy and their mother. Her eyes were vacant, when normally they were full of life. She didn't seem like his older sister, and the boy tried speaking to her, but she didn't reply. She muttered something and then laid down again. The mother broke down in tears upon seeing this, and finding it too painful to hang around any longer, the boy returned to his room. A short while later, his father came to see him. He told the boy not to say anything about his sister to anyone, and then left again. His sister didn't get any better after that. She never responded to the family's calls, and all she did was mutter and look around blankly. This continued for about a week, and one night, when the boy was passing by the inner room, he heard his mother's angry voice. He wondered what was going on, but normally only his grandfather, father, and the two men from the branch family were allowed in there, so the boy stayed where he was and tried to pick up what he could. Yet the inner room was beyond the hallway, so all he could hear was his mother's angry voice. The next night, as he was laying in bed, the boy's father came to their room. The father called out to the sister, but she didn't reply, so he picked her up and carried her somewhere. 
The boy was worried when his sister hadn't returned by the next morning, but then his father summoned him. When he got there, he found his grandfather waiting too. The boy took a seat, and then his grandfather started talking. The tale he heard was shocking. His mother had taken his sister and gone. He was to forget about the two of them. He was too shocked to remember much of what happened next, but when he learned that his kind mother had run off with just his sister and left him alone, he felt betrayed. Later, one of the maids gave the boy some contact information for his mother, but he felt so betrayed that he didn't call her. After that, the boy went off the rails. He dared to do things that his grandfather and father had told him not to do. Even when his father beat him, he didn't stop at all. One month passed, and as the boy was looking out his bedroom window, he saw one of the men from the branch family head into the storehouse from the garden holding a bag. The boy had been forbidden since childhood from entering the storehouse. Now that he no longer cared, he thought it was time to go in and mess things up. He found the storehouse locked, but luckily, he also knew that the key to get in was in the family altar room. That night, he took the key, which looked like a corkscrew, from the altar room and snuck down to the storehouse. Opening it, he went inside and found it was dusty. It was dark, but he took out his lighter, having just started smoking cigarettes, and looked around. Inside were numerous farm tools and other mysterious tools. In the back, he found a spot of floor that wasn't dusty, and looking closer, he realised there was a door. The boy opened it without thinking and found a staircase leading down into the ground. He decided to follow it. When he reached the bottom, he found it was much larger than he had expected, and unlike up above, there was almost nothing there. It was, however, bright, with lamps on the walls. As he walked forward, the path got narrower. As he approached the end, the boy froze. There was what looked like a jail, and inside it, a person. It was his older sister. The boy looked at her in shock. He called out her name, but she looked at him in fear. He called out her name again, but then he heard a scream from right next to him. He almost fell over in shock. He found the owner of that voice right away. In the next cell over was a man with long, messy hair. The man stared at him and kept screaming. Growing afraid, the boy ran out of the storehouse, but he was also scared that his family might find out where he'd been, and he realised he'd forgotten to lock up. He rushed back, locked the storehouse, returned the key to the altar room, and then went back to his room. He wondered why there was such a place under the storehouse, why his sister was there, why that hairy man was there, and whether the man from the branch family was looking after the two of them, but he had no answers. Then he suddenly remembered his mother's contact information. He wondered if she might know what was going on, so he ran out of the house with her contact information in hand. 
there was a public phone about 10 minutes from their house. He called the number on the paper. It was late at night, so at first nobody answered. But then, finally, a grumpy voice picked up. Hello? It was his grandmother from his mother's side's voice. When he gave his name, his grandmother seemed surprised but happy. The boy cut her off and asked if his mother was there. She told him to wait a moment, and then his mother answered. She sounded happy as she cried. The boy told her about what he'd just seen. Did you say anything about this to anyone in the family? His mother suddenly asked, her voice taking on a dangerous tone. No, he said, and she told him to make sure it stayed that way. Well, now that you've seen it, I should tell you all about it, she said, but it would be too long to tell over the phone. Then she told the boy that that house was dangerous, and he would be in danger too if he stayed there any longer, so she asked him to come and live with her instead. The boy was overjoyed. He immediately accepted, and she explained what would happen next. The mother was living in her mother's house, and she wanted to invite the boy there, but if she stole the grandfather's heir, he would leave no stone unturned trying to find him they would have to go and live somewhere else. It would take a bit of time to find them a place to live, and she had no way to contact him in the meantime. So, they agreed to meet at a temple a short distance from the boy's house in one week's time. The boy told his mother that he understood. She warned him to be careful, and then they hung up. Although he didn't want to go home, The boy also didn't want to cause any more trouble before his mother's plan was carried out, so he sadly returned. Starting from the very next day, the boy locked himself in his room. He didn't go to school, and neither his grandfather nor his father said anything about it. Then, two days before he was meant to see his mother, his father came to him during the night. He called out to the boy, but he ignored him. His father rarely showed interest in his children, and the last time he visited during the night was to take his sister away. Instinctively, the boy knew that he was going to end up in the same place too. Up until that point, the boy thought that he'd be fine no matter what he did because he was the family's heir, but that thought had now completely disappeared from his head. As his father approached him, the boy quickly answered, Then, his father simply told him to come. Panicking, the boy thought about what to do. Perhaps he could escape from the toilet. I need to use the toilet. Can I go there first? He asked. His father was reluctant, but finally gave in. The boy went to the toilet, locked the door, and then quietly opened the window. Luckily, the toilet window was rather large, so he was able to sneak out. Once he was free, the boy ran for the main gate. Yet he sensed people there, and from the shadows, he saw several men from the Branch family standing there. The boy got chills. They were probably waiting for him and his father. Giving up on the front, he decided to run for the back gate. He almost cried on the way there, wondering if there would be even more people. But thankfully, there wasn't. He slipped through the gate, 
and ran as fast as he could from the house. The road alongside the rice fields leading away from his house had no hindrances, meaning you could see clearly in all directions, and he was terrified that he might be found. He kept running as fast as he could until he reached the next town, and then called his mother. He'd kept the paper with her contact information on him the whole time. His mother answered, and when she heard him out of breath, she realised that he was in trouble. Where are you? I'll come and get you right away. He told her where and she hung up. A short while later, she arrived, put the boy in the car, and they drove off. The mother's older brother and father were also in the car. The boy was relieved and fell asleep in his mother's arms. When he next woke up, he saw his mother's face. He was lying down in bed. He got up and looked around and it appeared they were in an apartment somewhere. This is where we'll be living now, his mother said. We're quite a distance from that house now, so you don't have to worry. Your grandfather won't find you here. The boy's mother seemed to have heard a lot from his father, so after that, she told him all about his sister and the hairy man. That place was somewhere his ancestors used to lock up criminals and those who went against their will. The boy's sister was likely attacked by someone who had a grudge against his grandfather, and because the violent act broke her, the grandfather was displeased and locked her up down there. The boy's mother tried to help her, but she was then kicked out of the house by the grandfather. As for the hairy man, his mother didn't know about him, but after thinking it over, she thought that perhaps it was the man she heard went missing from the branch family. The mother wanted to save her daughter, but the grandfather would never let that happen, and because he had ties with the police, if she tried going to them, it would just make things worse. She hugged the boy and cried. Ten years passed after that. When he first started living with his mother, the boy's grandfather often sent servants to her family home to pressure them into giving them up, but it appeared they had finally given up. The boy had felt guilty that whole time about leaving his sister in such a state while he lived happily with his mother. But just recently, they received word from his mother's family that the boy's grandfather had passed away. What do you think happened to the boy, now grown up, when he heard that? I then asked us. We suggested that the boy then went back to save his sister and asked what happened. But I said he didn't know and laughed. What the hell? Of course, the two of us complained, but when we went to visit I's house recently, we learned from his mother that she was a single mother who raised him alone. I remembered that story he told us and wondered if the boy wasn't actually I himself. As I thought about it, one more thing bothered me. I had always said he was from C Prefecture, which was where his current house was. But the way he said, Akya, when he was surprised, or his intonation when he got drunk. I'd never heard anyone in C Prefecture speak like that before. I once asked him about it when we were both drunk, but he laughed and denied it. 
We haven't heard anything about that story since that day. But I still believe that I and that boy were the same person. Don't forget to pick up Koabana Volume 9, available on Amazon right now, and check out our newly revamped merchandise store at koabana.store. And if you'd like to chat about this week's stories, come and join us in the Koabana Discord. You can find that link in the description or on koabana.net. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tara A. Devlin for exclusive bonus stories and extras, or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Japan for all sorts of Japanese horror you won't find anywhere else. Thanks guys, stay safe and I'll see you again next time for even more Koabana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Want even more scary stories? Head over to koabana.net for new translations every week. You can also join our Patreon for exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Head over to koabana.net now.